Welcome to Bear and Balanced. I'm Jeff Burkus, a writer for Windy City Gridiron, and I'm joined by Lester A. Wiltfong Jr., the editor of that fine website. Lester, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. It's a nice uh, Monday night. It's uh, a nice weather here in the Midwest, so uh, I can't complain. Define nice weather because it was like 99 degrees here in Iowa. So I don't know that I agree with that being nice. I like it hot. I mean, I'd, I'd much rather be hot than cold. I know I'm from the Midwest. I live in Wisconsin now. But, you know, for me, I, I love when it gets in the 90s. I just, it doesn't bother me. I just go out and do my thing and I'm, I'm good with it. You're a rare big man. That <laughs> That's true. That's likes, true. That likes that extreme heat. I, I know, didn't like it when I played, but I like it now that I'm older and I can, you know, go out and and a uh, nice walk, you know, jump in the pool, you know, cool down a little bit. So it's it's all good. Yeah, our our mutual friend Ross Reed had a tweet the other day that said like, I started training in this hot, humid weather, and I actually like it now. And it just gone on and on. And Bill Zimmerman and I are like. Yeah, no, that's not a thing. Like you're nuts. <laughs> you're absolutely nuts. You, you got to stay in the air conditioning when it's that hot. Yeah. Uh, but Bears uh, finished up their their mini camp and all that kind of stuff. We're going to get into that. Uh, but I wanted to just spend a couple moments off the top and talk about the passing of Chicago Bears writer Moon Mullen. And I, I guess let me let me ask you, what was your um, interactions with Moon Mullen, if at all, or, you know, your, your personal history with, with that writer, you know, just like a lot of fans. I mean, he was one of the, I mean, he was so consistent, you know, when I first, you know, really got into the bears, I mean, he's been doing stuff about the bears for, for decades. And, you know, he was doing stuff in the Tribune, I believe. And then, you know, uh, I think Comcast had him for a long time and, you know, he, he's very active on Twitter for a long time as well. So he was just very, he, he was in the know. He's one of the guys where you knew if you went to Moon with a question or something on Twitter, you know, it was no BS. You know, he wasn't, you know, he would actually, you know, take some time and and, and, and think about what he was going to say. And, you know, there was no uh, no fanfare, I guess is the best way to put it, because, you know, some guys, you know, some guys in the media, it's, 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 it's the game to them. And with Moon, I never got that sense. Moon was really genuine with everything he did and, you know, his, his spots on, on sports radio as well. You know, really good guy. Just a, uh, it's, it's tough. I mean, Bears, Bears media has lost uh, some really uh, tough guys the last few months. Yeah, I, you know, my one big experience with him was when I met you for the first time. I mean, obviously, we've been yeah. working together for a long time, but we hadn't met in person. We all met up in the 2019 camp. Uh, there was a lot of really good feelings about that team, obviously, coming off the 2018 season. And um, we were we we booked it over to the bleachers and we looked, hey, let's let's get up at the top here. And I sat down next to to Moon or he sat down next to me. I actually don't remember how it yeah. started. He might have sat down next to me. And I just introduced myself and started talking to him. And I talked to him for the entire practice. You did, you did, yeah. We just we we just sat and talked, and it, and it wasn't me bothering him because I would just stop. You know, I'd ask him a question, and then I just kind of stop, and then he'd say like, "Well, what what story is he working on?" Yeah. And and I said, "Well, you know, I'm I'm kind of working on this idea," and he's like, "Well, that's fascinating. Toxic differential. I've never heard that before. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about that." And I'd explain, you know, that statistic, and he was like, "You know, that's interesting. I haven't actually heard that before. I'm going to look into that." And then we just started going back and forth. And then I was asking him questions like, "Well, who's the most interesting guy you covered? You know, what what happened to this guy? Why did this guy leave?" And um, you know, he he was pretty close with with a lot of the uh, the guys. Uh, you know, he was pretty close with John Fox. He was pretty close with Ryan Pace. You know, he had a lot of inside information. And he, you know, you could tell he was willing to give like peel me off yeah. a, a couple slices. 
which I which I found really fun. And and you know, he, he gave me a little nugget about Alshon Jeffrey. He had given me a little nugget about um, you know, a couple other guys and maybe why they weren't signed or why why uh they went after this this certain person. Um and then honestly, like we both sat in the back and had some pretty serious reservations about Mitchell Trubisky together. And, and I thought, well, this is interesting. You know, it wasn't very popular <laughs> to say that out loud at them in the moment. Um, but, but we both kind of had that, had that talk uh, where we're like, I just don't know that I see it yet. Um, so, so had a good mind for football, but also was just super kind to all of the, you know, a writer on, on a blog, he didn't care. He was interested in my story ideas and, and wanted to know more. And yep. um, just a super nice guy. It was just an incredible experience for me. And uh, especially someone who, you know, can, is this not my full-time job? This is not what I went to school for. This is just something I'm passionate about. And he talked to me like I was uh, working for the trip. Like he was willing to just have that same level of conversation with me, which I really appreciated. You know, you see those stories all about Moon all over the place. And it's, it's cool to see, like I said, you know, how many lives you really touched. And, it's, you know, and then with cancer, of course, man, cancer is just, uh, it's it's so brutal. I mean, if, if you can, you know, give to cancer research, it's, if it's out there, I mean, definitely do something with it because, you know, it's, it's, there's, they've done a lot of strides in a medical community for it. But, man, I mean, we all, we all know someone who's, who's lost some, who's lost a, a life to cancer. And it's just, uh, it just sucks. Yeah. And like you said, Bears writing community lost some really good people, yeah. um, you know, recently. And, and that, that makes it all that more difficult. And, and actually I have another thing that's associated with that. Um, so, uh, but, but that, not yet. Let's, let's move on. And let's, as always, we always start with Trent Tribute. We're going to try to do the categories tonight. Yeah, um, we can you do know, it. We got try to, try to get back into our swing of things, right? Like, you know, Bears are in training camp. They're getting into the best shape of their life. We got to do the same thing. So we're gonna we're gonna try to go through the categories here. So trench tribute, and I will start off. I'm going to give my trench tribute to Braxton Jones, fifth round rookie, taking a lot of reps with the first team at left tackle. And I just want to just want to acknowledge something. Like just because he went in the fifth round doesn't mean that this guy isn't a guy that can play right away. Right? There was a pretty deep class. There was a ton of people in this class. You know, maybe this is a guy that in a normal year would get drafted, say, in the third round. You know, it's a smaller school guy. So sometimes that that happens where those guys get pushed down a little bit. But this is a guy who had some pretty really some really good athletic yeah. scores, particularly in the speed and agility stuff. You know, he's a little bit smaller than a lot of other left tackles, uh, you know, his colleagues. But, he, but he's not small. He's just he's not a giant. Um, but he moves really well, which is exactly what Ryan Poles is looking for. And, you know, we've talked all offseason about like, well, are they going to move Tevin to right tackle? Are they going to keep him at left? You know, is Larry Borum going to be good enough to take one of those spots? And here all of a sudden, Borum and Jenkins are over on the right side, uh, at least on the practices that that were reported on. And here's Braxton Jones off here on the, uh, at left tackle taking the snaps with the first team. So... Does it matter? Will he start on the first day? I don't know. Will he, uh, you know, be a good player if he does start? I certainly don't know. Uh, things will change when the, the pads come on and we'll, we'll get to see for real. But this is about as good as your career can start yeah. uh, at, at the minicamp to be able to crack the first team with reps. You know, I had a feeling you're going to go Braxton Jones because that's that's the way I went to. I mean, it's been the story of the OTAs of minicamp, you know, starting at left tackle. Yes, it's just shorts and shells. You know, there are no pads yet, but but that's big. I mean, that shows he understands the mental part of his job. You know, if, if he didn't know what he was doing, the Bears wouldn't have put him out there. So now it's up to him. Now, once, once camp starts in July, 
the physical part he has to show. But well, like you said, he, he's not a mammoth tackle. I mean, he's he's a big tackle. He's still big. I mean, he's he's, he's a pro a pro lineman, you know. But the one thing he does have that's that's big is he has long arms. You know, he has those left tackle wingspan. What you want to have there, and you know, he talks about it at his press conference. He's he is just now learning how to throw his hands. That's something he didn't do a lot. You said you mentioned he went to a small college. You know, I'm sure he got good coaching, but it's it's not pro level coaching. You know, so they're getting up to, up to speed right now. You know, he's learning how to use his hands. You know, he's starting to go against you know a guy like, a guy like Roquan Smith. You know, he's seeing speed now against him, and that's going to help him out. Running with the ones is great. It's great competition for him. And you know, when the whole thing with, with Tevin Jenkins came out that you know he's running with the twos, you know. I still think at the end of the day, you know, once camp gets going, he'll eventually get that spot back. He's just his college tape was too good. Unless there's something physical going on with him, I think he gets that spot at right tackle back. But to me, the story of everything is Braxton Jones, the rookie at left tackle. So that's why I wanted to make sure I, I had a feeling you're going to go that way. But he's my guy too. He's my trench tribute, Braxton Jones. Well, let me let me just kind of probe that a little bit about you know learning to use your hands and smaller level and maybe not getting that coaching and and I think that it, you know it's you're not you're not ragging on the, the offensive line coach no, at, it's just, at smaller yeah. schools. It's, it's, you know, they're, they're used to a level of talent at those schools and they teach a certain way with the yep. talent that they expect to have. And you get a guy that, Hey, this guy, this guy might be a pro like this, this guy might play on Sundays and it's just not the techniques that they teach. Right. It's yeah. not what they drill. It's not what they're trying to get these guys ready for Saturdays. They don't necessarily care about Sundays yeah. when they're trying to win games on Saturdays. So it's, so it's not like it's uh you know, it's derogatory in any sort of way, but, but you see that a lot. You see that, especially from a small school where a guy just needs to come in and learn a little bit new, you know, the, the more professional technique, um, you know, different pass sets, you know, a lot of guys will come in say like a defensive lineman will come in with really good, speed rush off the edge but he doesn't have any counter moves mm-hmm. well you get to the pros and it doesn't really matter if you have yeah. a good speed rush and that if that's all you have you have to be able to have more you know it's like a pitcher right you have to be able to have another pitch um and if you don't have that then like you're not going to be successful it, it's a lot of that's with offensive linemen you're used to maybe seeing one type of rush or you know you have one type of set you don't really know how to do the other one well you're going to get beat if if you if you really only do that at, at a, as a pro so um you know, it's just interesting to see that they have that much confidence in him this early on uh, to push it. And I'm all for it. This year is yeah. a figure out what you got here. So if he's good enough to to put on the field, I'd love to see him. Yeah, I, I'm glad you brought up the the different sets that he has because that's you always hear about how a, a D lineman has different tools in his toolbox as far as his rush. You know, but you don't always think of the flip side where an offensive lineman has to know how to counter all those things that he's doing. So he's learning that. And I think, you know, by the fact that the Bears trust him enough to put him in there now, again, he's not facing, you know, the, the live stuff yet, but they trust him enough to, to, to run with him now. That's that's good for Braxton Jones. Yeah, absolutely. We'll get into jump sets and, and vertical sets at some point. Um <laughs> Get Brandon thrown on for that. That's, that's yeah, that's that's, that's great. Extra, yeah. I, I, let's just say like uh, I'm 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 too old to demonstrate it, <laughs> and I would I don't want to get uh, I don't want to get made fun of. Uh, well, let's let's move on. Uh, so we're on the same already. We're already in midseason form. That's we're on the same page beautiful. already. So, yeah. so let's let's get to the tweet of the week. So um, I'll start. This is from 
the Chicago Bears at Chicago Bears. If anybody follows them, uh, you know, th this is what a tweet that they put out on June 16th. And this is what I was alluding to earlier. Uh, on this day, 52 years ago, we lost Brian Piccolo. Today, all 90 players are wearing 41 to honor him. So they had a practice where every player had a number 41 jersey on and uh, in honor of, of Brian Piccolo. And I they, they were going to do it two years ago, but COVID got in the way. But they kept it on the calendar, right? And they and, and I just they, again another person who's lost to cancer, you know, certainly way too early for anybody. You know, cut down in the middle of his career, um, and uh, obviously Brian Song being the very famous movie that's made about this and his relationship with Gail Sayers, who we also lost recently. Um, I just I just think it's I, as someone who appreciates the history and and this historic franchise. I just think it's really cool that they do stuff like this and that they keep those players memories alive and even something as simple as this on the anniversary of his death. Um, they, they do something like this at a mini camp. It's just that they're, they're, they're always embracing the history of, of the franchise. And um, I don't know. I, I just, I, I found it, even though they, they got their plans pushed two years ago, they kept it in mind yeah. to, to still put, to go through with it and, and, and do it. And, and, uh, you know, with talking about Moon at the top, I just thought it was appropriate to kind of mention that as well. Yeah. It's, you know, you mentioned that, you know, this was, you said, uh, planned a couple of years ago. So it was penned under the under the naggy pace regime. So to be fair, you know, that's that was in the works for them. But but you mentioned the history. You know, this current regime has done a lot of stuff with history as well. They brought in, you know, Charles Tillman. They brought in Richard Dent. They're bringing in the, the veterans that of, of Bears uh, past to kind of talk to these guys. And I think they're really embracing that. And, you know, I know some fans like, oh, I don't want to hear that history crap, but you know, it's, it's important to the franchise. It, it gives these, these players a sense of, of belonging uh, to something bigger than just the team they're on. Now, I think understanding the history of everything is good for these guys. And I think moving forward, it'll help them uh, have that connection to like Chicago bears and to the fandom. Well, I think if you're not into history, like that's okay. You don't have to okay, be, but yeah. But then just don't say stuff like, this is the best pass rusher in franchise history. And it's like, yeah. you've never seen Doug Atkins. Like, yeah. let, let's let's just pump the brakes a little bit. Go watch some Doug Atkins film. Come back and tell me what you think, right? Like, it just, it's fine if you don't like the history, but don't say stuff that you can't back up. Recognize it at least. Yeah. Yeah. For yeah. sure. Okay. What about you? For, for me, I'm going with our guy, Jacob Infante. He's at Jacob Infante24. Uh, a couple of days ago, we tweeted out, I'm low-key excited to see how the young Bears edge guys do in camp. In the preseason this year, Dominique Robinson is a physical freak. Sam Kamara showed promise in 2021. Charles Snowden has some top-notch tools. And Carson Taylor, uh, who's an undrafted free agent, is a sleeper with some, uh, some scary good college tape. And, and I want to talk about the edge guys a little bit because right now, there's a lot of edge talk about Robert Quinn. Um, he's not at camp. He could be on the block. You know, I, I'm sure the Bears would trade him if the right offer comes, you know, to them. Um, I don't think they're in a hurry to do it because they want to make sure they maximize his value. But, but I think some of these younger guys that 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 is mentioned here in this tweet by Jacob, that could be a reason why the Bears are probably thinking, oh, it's okay to trade Quinn because Quinn is 32. He probably only has one or two years, you know, left in the tank at at, at a fairly high level. You know, they have Muhammad from the Colts. They have Travis Gibson from a year ago. So. I think they're content in what they have up, up front, even if Quinn goes, because they know they have some guys in the back end that can uh, come in and, and possibly surprise. Yeah, I think that the, you know, the the idea that you're going to keep a, a good veteran uh, at a pretty high salary on a team that is looking to find future contributors, yeah, 
and has some young guys that need reps. So we talk about opportunity cost a lot. And it's not just the fact that you're paying Robert Quinn a, a, a decent salary that you could otherwise save. Like that, that is dollars and cents opportunity cost. The opportunity cost to me is the snaps. Mm-hmm. How many snaps are you going to give Robert Quinn? How many of those snaps could have been to help develop a Travis Gibson more to help develop some of those other guys to give them opportunities to, to get live game reps to see if they're guys that you want to invest in in the future. You're not necessarily ever going to find that out if you don't give them the reps. And so that's that's kind of the the tank. Not the I don't want to say tank. I don't think yeah. the Bears are tanking. No, but but the idea of a reset is that you don't need to waste snaps on a guy that you already know is good, but he's probably not going to be here when you're good. So it makes sense that the Bears would look to move him. Now, I don't understand why he wouldn't show up to camp <laughs> unless he knows more than we do, right? Like yeah. unless he thinks that this is going to happen. Um, but, you know, the Bears don't need to make the move. They have the money. It's not like they're, they, they you know, people say, well, they don't have any leverage. They have the player under contract. Yeah. Like, I don't yeah. know what we're talking about. Like, what do you mean they don't have leverage? They don't have to move him at all. And they can wait until the trade deadline. Uh, you know, it's not like Robert Quinn's going to need time to uh, ramp up to speed no. to go rup, rush off the edge. He knows how to do that in any defense. So the Bears can be patient and wait for somebody that says, hey, we got off to a hot start, but we could use another pass rusher a la the Von Miller trade last year. Um, you know, what do you want for Quinn? We, we, we're all in this year. I mean, I think that's the key with the guy like Robert Quinn is – he never usually does OTAs anyway. He doesn't go to the to the stuff that's voluntary. Yeah, he's missing a couple of practices that he should have been there for. for and and I, I don't think he really cares either because he knows how to take care of his body at this point in his career. You know, you mentioned the defense. You know, he was in a similar defense uh, when he was with the Cowboys. That was when uh, Rod Marinelli was their DC. So he knows what he's getting in for. He understands the loafs. He understands the, the hits principle. He knows what he's in for with the Chicago Bears. So, you know, once it's time to report, He'll report. He'll be there, and then when the Bears have a move to make, they'll move him. Absolutely. So let's let's move on to the uh, stat of the week. Caught up in a numbers game. Um, I got a couple numbers for you: twenty-two point two and ninety-six point three million. 3. That is. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, so twenty-two point two million. That's the fifth most cap space remaining for twenty twenty-two in the league. Um, and 96.3 million is the most cap space as of right now for 2023. So Ryan Poles is loading up to be active next offseason. And remember, if you don't spend that money this year, it rolls over for next year. And so, so there, there is rollover in that as well. Um, but he's also put himself in a really good position for this upcoming August, right? So let's say somebody like Terry McLaurin in Washington or DK Metcalf in Seattle absolutely puts their foot down and says, no, I want out. I don't want to be here. And the team says, you know what? We don't need this headache. We're in our own process, whatever. We're going to, we're going we're gonna to shop this guy. Bears could be in a pretty good position to be able to acquire a guy like that and pay him right away. Um, and then I'm thinking about every August, something, you know, the Josh Sitton situation yep. where a quality offensive lineman or key contributor gets cut for one reason or another and it is a, is made available and there's opportunity on this offensive line and 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 polls will have the money to be able to sign 
that player for this year and not have it hurt him this year or next year. Uh, and so there, there are plenty of, of, you know, he's got some arrows in the quiver left, but that's all I'm saying is that there's a lot of money here. The bears are definitely going to be spenders next off season, but they could still make some moves this season. Yeah. I think that's the key is, is there are some moves to make this year. I mean, you know, besides this, is just a, a guy that could could be could be looking for a trade, a guy like they can shake loose. You know, the Bears also have a, a, a Roquan Smith extension that could be on the table. You know, they can kind of mm-hmm. pay him and have some of that money, you know, be be on this year's contract. You know, they still do have to sign their, their top two draft picks officially. I think you know, those numbers are are everyone knows what those numbers are. It's a, it's a set cap now what you're gonna get pay him the but they still gotta get under contract eventually officially still. So you know, twenty-two million this year. You know, what was it? Ninety-eight point six. Ninety-six point three. Ninety-six point three, and just it's uh, it's crazy how, how they went from uh, such a horrible cap situation. And it's funny because they're still dead money next year too. You know, those void years, some of that stuff you can't pay at all this season. So there will be still some Ryan Pace void year specials. You know, hitting the cap next year. So, but the fact that he has so much in, in you know available to him. You know, that's just a testament to, uh, to what he did. I know a lot of fans aren't happy with how he built the roster this year, but it's not about this year. It's about seeing what you got and building it for next next season. Patience is a virtue yes, is. In, in a restart. So what about you? What you come up with? You know, my number is similar to what you had earlier. I'm going number 41 because I wanted to also make sure we did talk about Brian Piccolo's retired jersey number. I just was so, so cool for, from the franchise and, uh, you know, what they did there. And, you know, I did want to get your take. What's your take on uh, – retiring jerseys the bears really have no more room to retire them at some point they may want to put some numbers back in circulation and i always thought a number like 41 would be cool to put back in circulation you could have you know whoever chooses that number will have a patch to honor piccolo uh, maybe get him involved and in, get him involved in, in the charity as well um I, I saw the numbers when i was on the site you know the, the cancer that he that he died from years ago you know at the time was almost you know a, a near fatal cancer you know, now, I mean, it's, it's, you can survive that much more and just, that's the money going into it. So I think you put a number like that back in circulation, you have a patch on, it gives the guys on Fox or CBS, they'll, they'll see it, they'll talk about it. It'll put more, more awareness out into the world about what's going on with that type of cancer. Yeah. I think that for the players that have uh, passed away, uh, you know, like they're, they're, they've been gone for a long time. Right. I mean, you, you've, you've got like a number five, George McAfee, right. So more, George isn't with us anymore. Um, maybe five can go back in. Right. So there's something about maybe, uh, you know, uh, bringing them back in if, if, if they've been gone already. Um, I'm, I'm kind of okay with a lot of those historical numbers. Cause I don't think George Hallis realized how long this was going to go and at some point he's going to run out of numbers right and how big (laughs) rosters would get right and george hallis was managing entire rosters with 20 players you know um so i i think that there's 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 some meaning there i think that i like the idea of a of a little bit of a like a moratorium on numbers where when a really great player leaves and you just kind of don't use it for a few years yeah um and then maybe you put them up on the in the uh Ring, ring of, of honor, honor for, for a new stadium yeah. and once he's up in the ring of honor then you can maybe recirculate that jersey put put a patch on the player you know and that's that's the guy i think that there's something there i know that some people would have a really big problem uh, with a couple of numbers coming back into circulation i i'm actually someone who wouldn't i, I don't actually think i'd have a problem with seeing uh all of the numbers come back in but if you had to make a compromise that said you know no one's ever going to wear 34 again 
um, that's fine with me. The the idea that like seven shouldn't be worn, I actually think is really funny because the Bears had a number seven that wore that number after George Hallis for his entire career and then made the Hall of Fame in Ed Sprinkle. Like yeah. George Hallis was a good athlete. He, you know, he he played a little bit of major league baseball for the Yankees. He played for the Bears as a as an owner, player coach. He was fine. He wasn't, but he wasn't like a, this amazing player. He was an amazing coach and an amazing uh, founder and someone who the NFL wouldn't have existed in this, you know, continuous state without him and all of the innovations that he brought. He was amazing for a lot of reasons, but he wasn't like the best player. And no. so, you know, people that like, well, who's number seven? Oh, that's this George Hall. Like, that's not that number does not associate with him. So I would, I'd be fine with putting Hallis's number back in yeah. there. But that, that's just me. We left Hallis's, uh, we left Hallis off our top 100 uh, Windy City Gridiron Bears of all time because we only went with. Oh, that's not true. Was we didn't have Hallis on, did we? Oh yeah, because because. Are you sure? Because I thought it was players only. We decided only their. No, he's careers. in there, but he's not as high. He he's a little higher than I would have put him. Where did he end up? He's I, I I know this was a big debate we had about putting <sighs> player about like with with him and then with Dick's coaching career, obviously, and there's some others that are been kind of doing some stuff outside the Bears. So, um, I I, I do think he's in there. So uh, why don't we? We'll, we'll don't check we, on that. We'll check I'll tell you what. We'll take a quick break. Ah, there it is. And Perfect in the break, timing. we're going to look it up and then and then we'll come back. Okay, nice. All right, Lester, we're back. So for you guys on the, the podcast, uh, he is on the Windy City Gridiron. I was wrong. I was wrong. Yeah, yeah. He is 34th overall. And I, if I remember the conversation, there were a couple of us that were uh, pretty much like, I, that's way too early to bring him out. Like, yeah. we need to kind of, you got to look at his just his playing career. He's not really uh worth that high of a ranking in terms of all the other great players i mean he's one slot above harlan hill which you know how that's much i love guy. harlan hill guy, you know yeah. um and so that's a little high for for george Hallis, but i don't know where he's at at the trip list or or any of the other lists i that think are out he there. was top 10 on a lot of their lists yeah that's a tough that's a tough call yeah. i mean if, yeah. if you use obviously everything else then he's number yeah. one yeah. Right. Like if he uses as a coach, as a GM, as all the innovations that he made, like he has the most impact on the game more yeah. than more than Peyton. Right. But but as a player and just a player, 34 is too high. So it's, it's a tough debate. I mean, if you're going to talk about them, then you got to talk about Dick as coaching. And then of course, right. that's there's a lot of people that think Dick as coaching was bad, but but he, he was the right coach at the right time and he got the team over the top. So. You have to yeah, give, I mean, you got to give, give the Dicker credit yeah. for at least that. But, you know, um, yeah, I anyway, it's, it was an interesting exercise. But I, I think that you and I were both like, uh, no, I think we're we're too high on this. And I, I think knew a couple it was other people were like, it's George Hallis. He has to go up high. <laughs> like, OK, all right. All right. So let's 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 uh, get into the three bears here. So uh, hot bowl of porridge for me, a guy that and maybe I am just trying to hear it and want to hear it. But I'm going to give it to, to Thomas Graham Jr. Because everything wow. that I heard coming out of the mini camp was, hey, he's he looks like he's in the mix. And, you know, the Bears signed Tavon Young uh, to, to play nickel. And, you know, this is a guy that's a, a good veteran presence mm -hmm. um, that, that I think a lot of Bears fans, even if you don't know the name, you should be pretty comfortable if he ends up being the nickel corner. Um, but everything that I am hearing and seeing and, and reading is, hey, the, Thomas Graham Jr. is making this a fight. Mm -hmm. And these these two guys are going after it to to start at nickel, and so I'm I'm going to give it to Thomas Cram Jr. You know we are talking about again mini camp OTAs. You know it's there's no pads on yet, but like you said, he's he's in the mix and he has been starting at the nickel for the Bears. You know the last few practices at least is what they've been talking about. So 
you know, how great would it be if Thomas Graham could actually win that job? And it's also cool that, you know, he's getting a chance to do it because, you know, this is a brand new regime. Thomas Graham's not their guy. You know, Tavon Young, free agent, it's their guy. This regime doesn't care. You know, they're going to put the guys out there. You're all going to compete. May the best man win. And I think Thomas Graham, I think I think we all liked his tape when he was in college. You know, he of course, he, he set out, you know, the, the year for COVID. You know, that's kind of why he fell in the draft. But, you know, great instincts. He's not the greatest athlete as far as, you know, pure speed. You know, but he's he's quick. You know, he's physical. And uh, like, like I mentioned, his instincts is what stood out to me. So I think uh, Thomas Graham, man, how cool would it be if he actually wins that nickel job and he actually goes out there and just, you know, thrives. That'd be great. Oh, I'd love it. I'd love it. It'd just be great to just see some of these young players nail down positions so that you have fewer things that you have to worry about yeah. going into next offseason. I think that's that's a major goal for this this upcoming year. What about you? For me, I'm, I'm saying in a second, I'm going uh, uh, Jaquan Brisker, the rookie out of Penn State. Uh, second round safety, he's run, running with the ones all offseason. You know, I mean, I figured he'd be a plug and play starter, but I figured that would probably take until about camp to kind of really establish himself. But but again, he he has the mental side down enough where the bears trust him. You know, they believe in his, in his skill sets. You know, he is a little more physical player than Eddie Jackson. They've talked about how he he'll play more in the box with Eddie Jackson. Eddie Jackson said he loves playing with Brisker already. So, you know, again, he was their second pick they've made. He's already plugged in as a starter. I think that's great for, for this, uh, for this initial draft for the bears. Yeah. Brisker's a good one. I'm excited to see what he brings. Obviously I'm also excited to see what that pick means for Dan Crookshank and and see if the bears i i it's my get if you had to say jeff make a guess um i would say that the bears are going to be in big nickel quite a bit yeah i think that they're going to play three safeties um and and i think that it's because jaquan brisker allows them to, to move pieces around a lot and you want to see what dan crookshank can bring on the field as well like is this is a player that can be useful in certain situations and and so i want a path for reps for him and and the path for reps right now is is in a big nickel situation. So I, I'm really looking forward to seeing um, the Bears use that. There's there are some defenses that are a little bit more cutting edge that are running a lot of big nickel, and, yeah. and they're doing that because they can match up with those bigger receivers um, a little better. Like you throw a big receiver in the slot, Thomas Graham Jr. would lose in a height differential. You run out big nickel, and those guys have more length, and they can run with bigger guys. That's what you're looking for in that situation. Well, it's a tight end matchup. There are so many teams that have really good athletic tight ends, and then a lot of teams that run a, a double tight end set. So you want to have guys that can match up and, and, and cover those guys, whether he's an inline guy or a guy that's flexed off. And Crookshank can do it. Brisker can do it. You know, Eddie Jacks can do it. So I think Big Nickel is a big part of the plan. So the cold bowl of porridge. So on the other side of that, I actually um, I, I, I put a couple names because I wasn't sure how the show was going to go. I put Robert Quinn because I just think no show to camp just kind of stinks. Uh, but let's at least just acknowledge that Tevin Jenkins might have a cold bowl of porridge right yeah, now. Yeah. Doesn't mean that he can't, you know, throw it in the microwave and nuke it up and and have a great camp when the pads come on. Like I'm not saying that. Um, I believe that he's a guy that's just a physical type of guy and and he's going to shine when the pads are on but it's it's at least worth mentioning that he was running with the twos a lot and i don't know what that means for his future i'm not panicking on tevin jenkins yet but at this point i'm not heating up the porch for him 
Tevin Jackins was actually on the uh, the No Name Football podcast with Olin Cruz and Jason McKee. I, I heard that earlier today, and he was talking to them about it. He did not get into the benching or the the running with the twos. Uh, he, he, the the question was posed to him, and then Cruz uh, gave him an out. Said if you don't want to talk about it, that's fine. And Jackins said. I'd rather not mention it right now, but then Cruz, of course, you know, because Cruz has played in the league, he knows, he knows how he would feel if he was running with the two. So Cruz kind of said how he how he would feel at this time, and you know, Jenkins kind of agreed. So you know, I'm sure it's eating at him a little bit, but but like I, I've been saying this in the last few weeks, you know, once the pads go on, once he has a chance to go out there and show his physicality, I think he ends up winning that uh, the job at right tackle, and I think uh, Larry Borm is going to probably be your swing. I think ideally that's what it is. I mean, that, yeah. that we talked about that uh, for a while, right? I mean, yeah. ask the question specifically about Borum. You know, I've said, I think he's ideally a swing. I mean, maybe not saying that he can't start and, and, and do well and, and improve from year one to year two. I, 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 that would be amazing. Let, you know, let's go. Um, it just doesn't strike me as the quite what they're looking for um, in terms of body type of tackle. And I think that's why you're seeing a lot of Braxton Jones playing at left. Um, and I think that Tevin Jenkins just has too much talent. Right? Yeah. <laughs> just I have a hard time seeing how he can't he can't get there. But if it, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. I mean, that's that crazier things have happened in the NFL. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm certainly pulling for both of them to be contributors. I certainly want to see both of those guys be uh, part of the plans because the swing tackle is important. You know, swing tackle comes in and plays during the game too. Even if even if they're not playing one of the the, the left tackle, right tackle spot, they can come in as a sixth offensive lineman. I mean, those those guys are valuable. You need them. Um, and that would be great if, if Borum fills that role well too. Another way Jack is they they you know a lot of scouts thought he may be a fit at guard, but the Bears aren't ready to move him to guard yet. So that may happen in camp. You know, you know, maybe Borum is just maybe he's just playing so well they can't bench him right now. And if that's the case and you have Jenkins and you feel he's also worthy, maybe you do kick him inside the right guard. I mean, I, I have a hard time seeing it happen just because you know he hasn't done it, but you know, they want to get their best five on the field. And I just I just can't see a, a scenario where Tevin Jenkins is not one of their best five guys. That'd be a very big right guard. But who did you who did you have? For my cold is uh, I'm going, I'm all secondary today. I'm selling uh, Kyler Gordon. Um, he has not been practicing uh, the, the the last few OTAs and and during the, the mini camp. So, you know the injury is is there. Uh, they haven't really talked about it much. You know, and as Bears fans, we have this thing where you know these these summer injuries. We're like, oh, it's no big deal. It's no big deal. And all of a sudden, back surgery for Tevin Jenkins. You know. Uh, 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 leg injury with Kevin White. So, I mean, we've seen these guys in the past as Bears fans. So, you know, I thought Gordon would be a plug-and-play guy at corner, but he can't get in the field. So hopefully this is just a, a minor setback. Hopefully he'll be back out there. I guess he's doing some some work on the side um, with the bike, you know, staying in shape. So, But right now, Kyler Gordon is not able to practice, and that's not good for the secondary. Yeah, let's just <laughs> – <laughs> Let's just hope that that's not a thing. Yeah. Um, all right. The the just right bullet pours for me, and I, I there's a little bit, you know, both sides here, as uh, Matt Eberflus's Eber uh, new culture, uh, because on the one hand, I think you're hearing a lot of what you want to hear. There's there's a lot. It's it's new. It's different. There's a lot of fun stuff. I mean, it's early and it's a camp, but it, overall, it seemed pretty positive. Seemed like the players kind of in, into it. Um, you know, the the stuff with the going to the Wrigley Field and hitting batting practice, uh, you know, home runs and stuff like that is, is cool. Like, you know, I like seeing that team camaraderie stuff and all that. 
And then you've got the penalty for like hitting too aggressively and they lost the practice and people came out. They're like, Oh, such a big mistake for a young heck first time head coach. And it's like, yeah, I mean, a lot of experienced head coaches get that penalty from time yeah. to time. It's one of those things that happens, I think everywhere. And they're now just emphasizing the rule and I think they were told and they didn't back off and that's why they got the penalty. Okay. Yeah. Maybe don't do that anymore. Slap on the wrist. You lose a practice. Um, but it's also just like, it's what you expect, you know, in terms of there's some hot, there's some cold, you put them together. It's just kind of what you'd expect out of a first year regime. Uh, you know, some, some cool stuff, some stuff that's kind of like, ugh, come on guys. Um, but overall, I think it's just been kind of an interesting experience to, to again, cover a new coach and a, and a new GM. I think you mentioned the GM as well. I think it kind of goes hand in hand with that. I mean, Ryan Poles, as much as I've been on board with most of his moves, he has had some missteps. You know, there's some there's some mistakes there. But I did want to mention real quick about the the missing a practice, like getting getting dinged, having a, a practice lost. There was a lot of talk on social media how there must have been a snitch. So of course, you know, <laughs> Bears fans right away, it's oh, who was it? Was it this guy? Was it? The league has guys at all yeah. these practices. The NFL is the snitch. They have guys there. Right. So, you know, it's like, come on, guys. It's like you don't have to find a reason to make someone into the into the bad guy. It's just what happens. You know, the uh, Coach Levy Smith got dinged this year. Uh, uh, Ron Rivera got dinged this year. It's It happens because the NFL is looking at for this kind of stuff. They want to make sure that the, the NFL PA is well represented, the players are taken care of, and this is part of it. Yeah, it's in the collective bargaining agreement. Yeah. And, you know, the, the players probably – I mean, I just, I just listened to Mitchell Schwartz on Robert Mays' podcast on The Athletic, talk about like, yeah, he's he's basically like, you know, I don't remember or I don't know what it was like in the previous CBA because I because he came in in a in a new newer CBA, but it's written out there, and so you know here we are and we're in shells, but we're hitting. It's like I'm still getting bruised up, yeah. I'm still getting beat up here, and so why is the the plain reading of this language? not being followed anywhere close we're, we're still hitting we're just we're just hitting with with just no our pads. helmets on yeah you know and, and he's like we're not even wearing shoulder pads but you know, i'm still taking hits to my chest and shoulders and getting bruised up and so you know hit it was his contention like well you know we we gave up something for that for, for that perk for that for that piece of the collective bargaining you know to, in order to get that written in you know we gave up more money or, you know, what, whatever it is. And that's a really good point that, that Schwartz was making. And so I, I think that they probably heard some, some complaints around the league and those representatives that are at practices are like, you know, Hey, I'm going in with the focus on looking at this and I'm going to report, I'm going to warn them. And if they keep doing it, then I'm going to write a report and I'm going to, I'm going to tag them. Bears were one of a few teams where that happened. It is what it, it happens. Is. It happens. It's, it's nothing to get really worried about. The Bears no. will be fine. Yeah, Bears will be fine. Yeah. What about you? Uh, for my just right, I'm going to, uh, it's all secondary today. I'm going Jalen Johnson uh, for my just right. He wasn't present for the first, uh, first couple of uh, voluntary OTAs. Uh, so when he does come into camp, he starts with the twos. Of course, you know, Bears fans are all up in arms. Oh my God, they're benching Jalen Johnson. You know, within a matter of, of, of a few practices, he was back at his customary spot as, as CB1. You know, he is the top corner on the team, and, and he will continue to be that. He's just uh, too talented. We saw it as Bears fans the last couple of years. You know, so Jalen Johnson, you know, he's right there where he should be uh, with, the, with, the, with the number ones. Yeah, and big year for him. Like, yeah. I've been seeing him on social media a little bit, being like, 
hey man, start comparing me against the other number ones in the league because yeah. I'm I'm going around and I'm traveling with these number one wide receivers and and look at my numbers, I'm doing pretty good. And he's right. Like, you he know, we, we need to start talking about him in that way. And if he can stay healthy and, and he can continue uh, his progression and, and his growth at that position, I don't see any reason why we can't start thinking about Jalen Johnson in, you know, very lofty terms as well. I think this is a very important and good building piece for this Bears defense that they're going to need uh, as, as they, as they rebuild this. I, I'm excited about the secondary, not um, every category answers uh, like, like you tonight, but, <laughs> but uh, it, it is one that we're going to have a lot of fun covering this year. Um, let's, let's move on to the fields report before we, you know, we get out of here. We haven't talked about Justin Fields this whole episode. Well, we, you knew crazy. that the fields report I was going to come. Yeah, I did so, um, you know, some some days seem like the 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 news was a little bit negative uh, in terms of his performance at minicamp, which, again, it's, you know, glorified seven on seven stuff. And then, you know, some days were really great. Like he had really great sessions. He was, you know, oh, this red zone, you know, a session was he was just on fire, things like that. I think the important thing to focus on is not necessarily like, you know, made up statistics in practice. It's he's getting all the reps. He's yeah. getting time with his receivers. He's establishing rapport. Um, and to, everything sounds like, I mean, he's getting all of the reps, which yeah. thank you, Getsy, for not being an idiot <laughs> and, and not and like not giving him everything because that's exactly what he needs. And then the one thing I wanted to mention about what I've took away from some of the reports, and some of it's like, you know, okay, yeah, feel good stuff. But I'm really loving these Darnell Mooney uh, Justin Fields reports where they just seem like they're BFFs now. Yeah. And and even to the point where there was a story, and I'm sorry if I'm not relaying it correctly, but uh, they're trying to outwork each other. So they're trying to stay in the facility. And Mooney says, I got to go get treatment, you know, like soft tissue treatment or something like that. So I got to go to the training room. And so Fields is like, okay. And he does, he does a little something and then he takes off. He's like, all right, I, I worked harder than, than Mooney. Mooney faked going in to get treatment and then went and like lifted for another hour or something like that. I mean, just this like fun little back and forth camaraderie. They're trying to outwork each other. You know, this is Mooney's the guy that bought, you know, the first paycheck he bought a jugs machine, right? Like that, that's the kind of guy that he is. I think he maybe has found, you know, a soulmate in, his, in this quarterback, um, you know, that's special. That's something that I think we're going to see a lot more of. And that, I, I, I mean, I try not to get caught up in those off season stories too much, but I'm kind of digging it. Like I'm kind yeah. of into this, this Mooney fields connection. Well, they connected last year as you know, when, sure. and, and they were good friends. They worked out a lot in the off season and, and, you know, that continued on through the year. And then of course in the off season, and, and I believe they have another plan to work out again coming up uh, in, in the ne next couple of weeks. I know they talked about how they're going to take a break and I think they're right back at it. So they're going to go back at it. They're going to keep working at it. You know, this receiving core, you know, it's a lot of question marks there, but you know, if Darno Mooney, if he becomes the guy the Bears seem to believe he will become, I mean, that's going to be huge with Justin Fields. That's his security blanket. That's his guy. You know, I'm, I'm not saying it's going to be the next Devontae Adams, you know, but, you know, there are only so few of those guys in the league at any time. Darnell Mooney is one of the top 32 receivers in the game today. Just keep elevating that. And the connection with the with the QB1, that can only help matters. Absolutely. Anything that you picked up with the uh, fields other than that? Yeah, it was kind of the same thing. Just the kind of the, 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 the stuff he's doing, you know, off the field. I think that's really yeah. cool, really special. You know, the stuff you mentioned earlier about when they were at, at, at uh, doing, doing batting practice, you know, 
the team all rallies around each other. They're really excited for each other. You know, Justin Fields, you know, getting all the reps. You know, he is the guy this year. Last offseason, he was the number two. You know, he was getting the, the two reps. He was the backup. Clearly, they had no interest in wanting him to start at all. He didn't even get a chance. It's a different mentality. You know, he's an alpha. He 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 wants to be the man. He's the man. And, and I think he lives up to that. And I think he's going to have a, a very nice season this year because of that. Yeah, I'm really excited. Obviously, everybody's really excited about yeah. Justin Fields. No more than, than Justin Fields himself, I think, is ready to get on the field. He can't and wait. Yeah. Start to actually show and shut some of this noise up. Like, I'm really sick of hearing all this. Bears are going to be the worst team in the league. Oh, Darnell Mooney's not a wide receiver, two or whatever the you know, heck that all that junk was uh, from Dan Orlovsky and all that stuff. But um, we're going to start ramping stuff up here uh, over July. You know, we've got the Hopium Den that's coming out every Wednesday. There'll be, I think, 10 episodes total. Um, for that, um, you know, we're episode three is going to release Wednesday. I'm really excited for you guys to hear that one. That's the international fans. Um, I've got uh, some other projects that I am in the works on. We're trying to set up our fall schedule. We're trying to set up more video stuff. I mean, we've got just a ton of stuff going on, um, and we're really excited for for bringing that 2022. Anything else you want to add? We got a new podcast coming to the channel uh, within the next few weeks. Taylor Dahl, who you guys heard on JB's last Hopium Den, uh, she was uh, on there. Uh, oh, Hopium Den. Is that what it is? Hopium? Hopium. Hopium. Uh, the, the English language is not my, my friend. <laughs> but anyway, it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, you know, we're excited to see what she does. We have some ideas. She has some ideas. Uh, so we're excited to have her show debut. And it's a different perspective, you know, right now that we have on, on the site and in the channel. So, we're excited to get her going and uh, you know see what she can come up with. Yeah, we'll we'll have her. We should have her on one of these live streams here to kind of yeah. get her introduced into this game a little bit officially, more. Officially, officially, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll we'll do that and then we'll launch. Uh, we'll see if she'll she'll probably launch the podcast around camp. Um, so good. so that'll be that'll be fun. Um, other than that, let's let's get out of here and uh, we'll see you next time. Until next time, bear down.